Well, good morning, everybody. So good to be with all of you this morning for our worship service. My name is Tyler, and I have the pleasure of being on church staff here at San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. Our mission here is very simple, and it's written on big glowing letters behind me, and that is to lift up Christ. And our, our hope is to do that through our worship this morning, but also in our daily lives and interactions with others through the coming days and weeks. Uh, one quick note at the top of this service, if you haven't already had the chance to vote online in our annual church board elections, today is the last day to do so, and we have paper ballots and voter guides that look like, like this, um, and they're available in the foyer for you. So if you haven't voted online already, please pick one of these up, fill it out today, and drop it in the very official-looking Staples ballot drop box um, in the foyer, and we'd uh, love to have your vote cast for our church board and some other important survey questions on here as well. So please fill one of these out uh, if you haven't voted online already. Uh, with that, I'm going to invite forward Will Hooper to read our call to worship this morning. Good morning. Our call to worship this morning is from the 67th Psalm. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. If you're able to, let's stand together and join in song. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Unstoppable God. Let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Let's join in with our hands clapping for the Lord this morning. We sing with creation this morning.
confidence this morning. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your us alongside your creation, that we are able to witness the beauty that you reveal to us day by day with the mercies that you gift us every day. We say thank you with the grace and abundant love that follows us. We say thank you for Lord, we should not take without giving. And this morning, God, we receive you knowing that you have gifted us with the mission to be your ambassadors, to be living Christ-like so that others may be able to see the beauty which you have given us revelation of. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. With thankful hearts, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we ask that you equip us this morning so that we may live into your will. Sing with us. Make me an instrument of your Let me so love. Where there is darkness, let me shine. Sing it again. Make me an instrument of your peace. Use us, Lord. Where there is hatred, let me so. to 
gift that you've given us, that you've saved us, Lord. Thank you, thank you. And Jesus, we pray and we sing together. Amen. Amen. We have the wonderful gift each Sunday morning to be singing with our children and our teens, and this is a time that we are going to dismiss our children into children's church and our teens into Bible study. So would you read this prayer with us as we dismiss them? This is my prayer for you, our children. Amen. Amen. See you kids.
teens, you can follow the instructions on here. You're going to follow Lexi, Pastor Lexi, over to the FLC. And children, you do this all the time. You know what you're doing. We don't even need to remind you. You've got this. Let me pray for us. Lord, we think and meditate on your closeness to us. We are thankful that you are with us. You have not abandoned us. We sing with grateful hearts this morning. We are open to you, Lord. Love with no reservation.
we come humbly before you this morning, offering what we have, our worship, our will, and our lives. In this moment, some of us may feel as if our life is full, that we have good things and blessings filling our spaces of life. And for others of us, it feels as if we are hopeless, that we are caught in a rhythm that leaves us empty inside, that leaves us unfulfilled, unmotivated. And so, Lord, we offer those hearts to you, the joyful and the unjoyful, the filled and unfilled. And, Lord, we ask that you would lead us. We ask that you would guide us through whatever season of life we may be in, Lord, acknowledging that it's yours, acknowledging that our will is yours, Lord. So this morning, as we continue in our worship and our fellowship, we offer our hearts and our minds to you this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray, sing and worship, amen. Before you are seated, we will be passing the peace of Christ to one another. If you haven't done that before, you are to find someone you know or maybe someone that you don't know, and you say, may the peace of Christ be with you. And in response, you can say, and also with you. So this morning, as the band plays behind, feel free to pass the peace of Christ. So glad you're here this morning. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and it is a privilege to be with you worshiping this morning. Few things that I'd love for you to know about the life of our church. The first is we'd love to know that you're here. So if you have our bulletin or you have your smartphone and want to uh, bust it out, take a, a picture, kind of, you hover your phone over at your camera, and an apple or, or um, a form will show up. It's just a very simple Google form. And it's just to let us know that you're here. Uh, if you have prayer requests or you're interested in one of the events or ministries that is taking place, this is a great way for you to, to let us know of your interest or the need for prayer in your life. Uh, so I encourage you to check in, let us know that you're here. 
Big morning for us is that we are having our church board elections this morning, uh, continuation from last Sunday. If you uh, received an email and voted online, great. Another reminder email will be coming out after church. Uh, but if you want to vote in person, you're like, I didn't get that. I am a member and I'd like to vote. We've got voting going on in the back in our information center. Uh, you can fill that out. Even if you are not a member, just let us know. You're not a member, but we still want to know your voice and, and uh, what you're interested in. So please fill that out. We've got all of that in the back at the information center. In addition, our church district assembly will be taking place June 3rd and 4th. That is a Friday and Saturday. If you are interested in representing our church and be a delegate for that, let us know. Contact the church office or me, and uh, we'll connect you to all of those resources so that you can be a church delegate for us on June 3rd and 4th. All of that is at Liberty Station. Uh, lunch is provided, isn't it? Yes. Pastor Russ says yes, so if he says so, it's it's happening. Um, in addition, we have VBS happening very soon. It's the end, mid end July, uh, and we're still still looking for volunteers. Uh, if you've got the time, we need your help. This is not just something that the the children's department does. This is a whole church outreach. We have two hundred plus kids in this space, worshiping, playing games, and we need help from just standing outside, greeting and registering to the kids, to being coaches and everything in between. So you got some time. We would love for you to volunteer with our kids. We have a tons of community kids show up to this in such a great way for have them to, to plug into our church. We have our last session of Bible for Everyone. We're going to be looking at the very last chapter of the book of Colossians this week. That is going to be at 6.30 with me in uh, the Bulls conference room. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of this last session of looking at the letter of Colossians. And then lastly, around February sometime, uh, Dee and I put on a, a focus group of 30-something-year-olds, of like late 20s, early 40s. And we were interested in your information, that group's kind of take on things, interest levels, and, and how we can minister to them. So one of the things that came, kind of came out of that was a bunch of these gatherings. So if you consider yourself a 30-something, somewhere between the ages of 20, late 20s to early 40s, we'd love for you to be a part of this. The first gathering is going to be next Saturday at Shelly and Dave James's house. Um, no kids. We just want this to be adults. We just want to get to know each other. Come for food and hanging out for games and just a good time together. We got some other events happening throughout the summer for this group. Uh, you may have gotten an email. If you are, didn't get an email and are interested in this, please let us know. We want to get you that information to, to show up and be a part of this group. Uh, so let us know and we can get you that, all that information. Great. Lastly, I'd love to invite Jacqueline Francis up. We're going to interview Jacqueline this morning. Jacqueline, as you saw, is a part of our worship team. She often sings in our choir. And I would love for our congregation to get to know you a little bit more. So Jacqueline, uh, why don't you go ahead and stand on up. And if that's not working for you, we can just switch on and off. Oh, perfect. It, it is. <laughs> Jacqueline, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jacqueline. Um, I am originally from... 
Torrance, California, if you don't know where that is, it's Redondo Beach area, and if you still don't know where that is, it's north of Long Beach, south of LAX, is yeah. how I kind of describe it. So um, I graduated here in 2018 from Point Loma, um, and since then I've been working as the assistant band director at Mount Carmel High School, and oh, nice. then I also run my own um, voice studio where I teach music lessons. Very cool. You mentioned that you graduated from Point Loma Nazarene University. Um, did you start attending San Diego First Church while you were a student, or did you attend afterwards? I started attending actually my freshman year. I think it was the second semester, and I remember just really praying for that God would bring me friends and a community, because it was hard kind of coming into college and not really know anyone and really trying to find those deep connections. And I remember praying and coming one Sunday morning and going into the Family Life Center, and I remember Melissa Tucker was speaking, and it was so great because it was the, one of the first times I'd ever hear a woman preach, which was really amazing for me. But even more special, I remember coming into the back road and sitting next to another young girl that looked my age, and we kind of got talking, and afterwards we're like, hey, do you want to go get like frozen yogurt? Because that's what you do when you're a freshman and don't have a car. You walk down to the Froyo place. And she later became my best friend and roommate of three years, so right on that very first Sunday. Um, and since then, I've loved being connected to the church. Um, I was really involved in our 1722 ministry that we had for a while, and then in a lot of our women's small groups, and then especially in our worship ministries, which is just where my true heart is, so I'm grateful. That's awesome. Uh, you answered my other questions, so geez, I'm kind of <laughs> up a river now. Uh, last question for you, um, and uh, feel free to take this kind of wherever you want to go, which is, uh, what is something that you are learning or lamenting or celebrating in your journey with Christ? Yeah. Um, truthfully speaking, this past year has been a really, really difficult season in my life. Um, I've just been dealing with some really difficult situations in just about every aspect of my life. Um, I love my students so much, but our high schoolers, for those of you who are, really need some help right now and just adjusting back post-COVID. And I've been loved, I've loved walking into those difficult situations, but sometimes it's been hard to not, you know, get my own rest and an own break. And it can feel very overwhelming at times and feel like I have no refuge. And one thing that I've been kind of leaning into is how God is sovereign in all things and that he is there and he is our peace. And even in the midst of anxiety and stress or where we feel so overwhelmed or we don't even know how we're going to get through the next hour let alone the rest of the day, we can find our peace and trust in God. And even if we can't necessarily feel his presence with us in those moments, he's there, he's guiding us, um, and he loves us. Oh, so good. I'm so glad. It, why don't you give it up for Jacqueline? Thanks for being a part of our community. Thank you so much. As we turn towards uh, the sermon and, and music, let's take this time um, uh, of just con contemplating what God has for us, not just in the week to come, but where we've come in this last week. Allow the, the music to be a moment for you to contemplate God's presence.
That was beautiful. The scripture is um, Jesus praying for his disciples. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may, be, they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Connie. What an amazing prayer. As Jesus prays for his disciples, and it comes down to us as his disciples now. I hope you've been joining us in the call to prayer that the Church of the Nazarene has put out between Easter and Pentecost Sunday, which comes up in two weeks. As each day we are reminded of how God is directing us as a local church, as a church around the world, and as individual followers of Jesus Christ. And at the end of each day's reflection and prayer comes the reflection, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today about the Lord's protection, direction, and revelation? And as I've been studying this prayer, it just seems that those things come jumping out from the words of Jesus into my heart, that that is exactly what he's showing us, how he has protected us, how he directs us, and how he reveals himself as we come to him. We looked last week at what Jesus prayed for himself. Father, glorify me with the glory I had before the world began. He knows he's returning to the Father, and he knows that the disciples need to catch on to what it is he's been trying to plant within them. And he says at the start of the prayer, I've completed the work, Father, that you gave me to do. And then he proceeds to talk about what that work has been, how he revealed God's very nature to us. He gave us God's words. He gave us God's glory. He has protected his disciples, and he has given them a commission to go into the world and to share this good news. Well, we come to these amazing words of Jesus once again as he prays not now for himself, but for his disciples, for these who for three years have followed him, have left 
their fishing boats, their tax tables, wherever they were, and he has called them, and they have begun to absorb what it is that he has in store for them. And again, there are several themes about the disciples that come through in these verses. In verse 6, he says, they have obeyed your word. In verse 8, they know I came from you. Verse 9, they know they belong to you, Father. Verse 11, they're in the world. And verse 16, they are not of this world. So again, if we could kind of boil those things down to four themes that I want us to look at for the next few moments before we come to the Lord's table. Disciples keep the word of God. That is, they obey him. Over and over, Jesus has said it throughout his years with the disciples. If you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me. This is how we demonstrate our love for Christ. We obey his words. Then he says disciples know who he is. He longs that we would know him intimately as he knows the Father. He says he and the Father are one. He invites us to join into that unity. He says they belong to God and they live in this world. Well, the word simply means learners. We are learners together, aren't we? We learn from Jesus Christ. We learn as his spirit directs us and he guides his hearers to believe and have eternal life. He says, if you love me, obey me, and remain in that love. So let's start there. Disciples obey. Often we think of discipleship in huge concepts, but God wants to break it down into little pieces for us. It's hard for me to believe that it's been 22 years since we lost Dana Walling, who at the time of his death was vice president in charge of spiritual development here at the university and a heart of our local church. In the last year that uh, Dana lived and was sharing here in this room with the students of the university, the brain tumor was taking his life and his speech, and when he could be understood, he would say this one phrase, every day, find out what you can do for Jesus and do it. And he'd repeat it every time he spoke before the student body. And when we could no longer understand his words, we understood the message. Every day, find out what you can do for Jesus and do it. The simplicity of discipleship, of what it means to follow him and obey him. Now, when we teach our children to obey, we start with little steps, just as God starts with little steps with us. And so when our kids were toddlers, we said, okay, it's time to pick up your toys. And they would learn to pick up their toys and put it back where it belongs. I didn't say to my toddler, I'm watching the game. Go fix dinner. You know, do something too grown up for you. (laughs) And God gives us obedience in little steps. I think of Jesus' parable in Matthew 25 where he talks about the talents and how he gives certain amounts of money to various servants in the household and how two of the servants obey and use those resources for good. And the response of the master to the servants is, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I have set you over little. Now I will set you over much. We begin with the little steps of obedience and then God learns to trust us with more and more as we grow in this daily walk of obedience. In Psalm 119, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. And we've all walked through the dark with a flashlight. It doesn't illuminate the whole journey for us, but a few steps at a time. 
We walk with the light of his word. We obey what we know. We get to the next step, and then he'll reveal the next step of obedience to us. He has been faithful over a little. We will move into much. The next thing that Jesus prays is that the disciples would know him. I think a lot of times we get these first two things in reverse. We think we have to fully know Jesus before we step into obedience. But he seems to pray it the other way around. He says, if you will obey me, you will come to know me in my fullness. And so we begin this daily walk with him, and he reveals more and more about himself to us. So it's not disciples know who Jesus is, and so then they magically obey. Don't wait for a full understanding of Christ before you begin to do what he tells you to do. The disciples just started out following him. They didn't know any of the deep things he was going to be revealing over the next three years. And then he began to lead them into concepts of agape love and eternal life and resurrection power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and all that they learned in following him. And so it is with us. Learn those small lessons and he will continue to reveal more to us. The revelation of God comes to us at the point of obedient response. Do what you know to do. And isn't that what the spiritual disciplines are about? We do what we know to do in the spiritual life, and the Word reveals those disciplines to us, and many have written of the spiritual disciplines. You can find all kinds of resources on the internet. You can go back to Dallas Willard's marvelous book on the spiritual disciplines, or Richard Foster, all kinds of resources for us. The disciplines, we're going through spiritual disciplines this morning. We are gathering together. We are in fellowship. We are in worship together. We will come to the Lord's table together. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. Scripture reading, daily times of meditation, good works, fasting, giving, all kinds of spiritual disciplines. We live in the midst of those disciplines, and he reveals himself. The revelation of God is not a flash out of the blue. It comes in the midst of a life dedicated to him. And if I'm living for him day by day, he continually reveals more of himself to me. Elton Trueblood said it poetically. He said, the eyes of the soul are washed by obedience. So we are freed to see what it is that Christ wants us to see. And so Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. And if you want to know God, obey his word. I love Jesus' parable in Matthew 21 where he, it's, the scene is basically a father and two sons at the breakfast table. And the father says, come and work with me in the field today. And one son says, yes, father, I'll be there. And the other son says, no way, I'm not coming. And then the day progresses, and the son who said, no, I'm not going to work in the field, repents of that and goes and works in the field. But the son who immediately said, yes, father, I'll be there, didn't show up. And so Jesus says, which son obeyed the father? Well, the one who showed up. And Jesus doesn't scold him and say, well, he should have said right away, yes, I'll go do it and then do it. He just says, he is the one who obeyed. If we come to do the work of the Lord, he rejoices in that. And in the very prayer, Jesus prays, Father, I have received glory from them, talking about his disciples. Jesus says, God, glorify me in the glory I had before the world began. But he also says, I'm also receiving glory by their good works, by what they are doing, by the way they respond. And that hasn't changed. He still receives glory as his followers do his work. 
in service to those around us. We are on this road together, and we don't progress at the same pace. And so we have to be patient with ourselves and patient with each other as we grow together along this walk with Christ. It was on the screen during the first song we sang, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that he is faithful with us, that he is patient with us as we continue these growing pains of discipleship and what it means to follow him? We're also not all at the same stage of commitment, and therefore we're not all at the same stage of obedience. Some of you are further along than the others. Keep urging us to follow closer. That's what the body of Christ is about, continually urging each other into love and good works as we seek to serve our Savior together. So begin with what you know to do. See, the danger is between the great things that we can't do and the small things that we refuse to do, we'll end up doing nothing. He says, do what you know to do and move in to knowing me fully. So disciples obey him, and through that obedience we know him. And what a privilege of being a disciple to know God. That is the privilege he gives to us, to know him, to be in this relationship with him. And it's not some pipe dream off in the future. He says, you can know me. In fact, it's a requirement. (laughs) He says, come to know me in my fullness. Matthew 7, he says, those who hear my words and put them into practice is wise. So we obey. We know God as disciples. And then he says, disciples belong to us, belong to the Father and I. You are part of us. The joy of belonging. It's one of the things we recognize which is essential for the human condition that we belong. And Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said, you're not your own, you are bought with a price. We belong to him. And Paul called himself a love slave of Jesus Christ, freely choosing to follow God, freely choosing to be his servant. And we're not talking about here about ownership by creation. We are all created by God but not all are disciples of God. But ownership by sacrificial giving of Jesus Christ. The little boy had always kind of idolized his grandfather. He wanted to be like his grandpa in so many ways, but one of the things he really loved about his grandpa was the way he was an artist in in woodwork. And he would carve, since the boy was very tiny, he would carve toys for him. He would carve from a block of wood a little car. He would carve from a block of wood a boat. He would carve little animals. But when the boy was finally old enough that a birthday came and he received a sharp carving knife and a box of wood. And his grandpa was going to teach him how to carve. And it started small. Okay, we're going to start whittling. (laughs) Here's a stick. Just start handling the knife, handle it properly, do it carefully. And once he got some of the basics down, Grandpa said, okay, now what's your first project? What's the first thing you want to make? He said, I want to make a boat. Okay, so he gave him the things for this toy boat and the size block of wood he would need and how he would sand everything down, how he would carve it so carefully and how he would then put the little mast up and they got a little piece of fabric and he began working on his boat. And it began to take shape, and he painted it bright red, and he got the fabric from his mom and put it up for the sail. His boat was ready for its maiden voyage and took it down to the little stream back behind their property. 
set the boat in the stream and began to watch as it began to float down and was following it along the stream. <laughs> and pretty soon he couldn't stay by the water anymore and he had to come up and around all the debris around the side of the stream. Following down further, the stream got a little more swift and pretty soon the boat was out of his sight. He looked for it the rest of the evening and couldn't find it. Came back the next day, looked downriver as far as he could find, couldn't find his boat. He was heartbroken, but he said, well, I lost the boat. And that Saturday, he was down in their little town, and in the pawn shop window was his boat. Worse for wear, sail torn, but that was his boat. And he went in so excited, you found my boat, thank you, thank you, thank you, can I have my boat? And so the pawn shop owner explained to him what a pawn shop business was. And he said, well, I purchased your boat from a guy who brought it in, and now it costs this much. He said, but it's my boat, I made it. Well, this is what it costs. He said, don't sell it to anybody else. I'll be back. And he began taking every lawn mowing job and every little odds and ends kind of job he could do to make some money. He started gathering his coins. And every week, he'd go back in, make sure the boat was still there. Don't sell it to anybody. <laughs> Finally, he had enough. He took all his earnings and put the coins all out, and the pawn shop owner counted it out. He had enough. Here's your boat. And the boy clutched it to himself. You are mine. I made you, and I bought you. <laughs> You're twice mine. I think of Jesus' prayer for his disciples and said, you belong to God. He made you, and he bought you. You are not your own, and we belong to God because of his redemptive work on the cross, because of what he has done for us. And in understanding that belonging, over and over in the prayer, Jesus says, they are yours. It means a death to selfishness. It means I am not my own any longer. Everything that I am, my time, my talents, my abilities, everything that I am belongs to God. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not me, but Christ lives in me. This wonderful mystery that we have of the life in which he indwells us. Disciples obey, and they know him, and they belong to God. But here's the tough part. The fourth thing he prays about his disciples. They are in the world, and yet they're not of the world. So what do we do with that? <laughs> For we are real people with real problems in a very real world called to be disciples. Now Israel had learned from their history what exile was like. They had learned it in Egypt. They had learned it in Babylon. In time of Jesus, they were under the iron fist of Rome. We have not been exiled to some pagan land, but rather the sinful world has surrounded and enveloped us, and we are called upon to live within that world as Christians. <laughs> and the Christian life that we live, the impact that we will make is going to be right there where we live. Now, there are two reactions to this. I think there's the reaction of some people, good people, who want to live a Christian life, but their idea of Christianity is so unreachable, they just give up. And there are others who are kind of Christian grumblers who say, well, I could live the Christian life if only, you know, if only this happened or this happened, 
or this didn't happen, or this didn't. And it always is something that's very real about our walk with Him. If only life wasn't so hectic, if only my children were grown, if only my job wasn't so hard, if only there hadn't been a pandemic, if only our lives hadn't been thrown into turmoil, if only, what, fill in the blank. If only health, financial pressures, whatever it is, we live in the midst of a very real, difficult world. But we're judging ourselves by too unrealistic of a standard. If not for home and family and schedule and all the heartaches that come into life, we wouldn't have a life that we live. That's where we will live our lives, in the midst of that world where he has placed us. It was the problem in the Middle Ages when they abandoned the church and went to live out their Christian faith in monasteries. We face the same danger of hiding in the church, living out our Christian life here in a Christian sheltered community instead of coming together for worship and preparation and going out to serve. He calls us into a very real world to live as Christ's representatives. And I love the last verses here because he knows we can't do that of our own strength. And so he surrounds us with his teaching of the Holy Spirit. They're in the world, but not of the world. Protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify, set them apart for a spiritual purpose. Protect them, guide them. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified, that we might find this empowering of the Holy Spirit to guide us into our very real world and do the works that Christ has called us to do. He still prays for his disciples. <laughs> He's at the right hand of God interceding for us, and we'll look more next week at those of us who believe in the original message of the first century disciples as Jesus prays for us. But before we come to the Lord's table, I'd like you to visualize your world. Close your eyes if it helps you. Visualize your schedule, your house, your family, your church, your friends. In 2 Corinthians, it says all the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. Can you just say yes to your world in Christ? Remember reading E. Stanley Jones' book that he wrote after his debilitating stroke called The Divine Yes. He wasn't able to write any longer because of the paralysis of the stroke, but dictated to his daughter, who could barely make out what he was saying. But one of the things that strikes me, this marvelous missionary who had preached all of his life, said, I've always preached sermons, but now I get to live one. And what we do day by day is live a message before our world, before our family, before the people we work with, people in our neighborhood. So with that vision of your world, realize that what we need is not change in our world, but change in us. And we come to that world, that's where we will come to obey and come to know Jesus Christ. That's where we'll come to belong and to serve. That's where we will live out and do whatever it is God has for us to do. So if you just visualize your world and just place it on the altar and say, God, that's yours. You're in charge. You are with me and you have promised to keep me.
just like the original disciples. You promised to protect them, to give them purpose, to give them your words and your direction. Before Jesus sent the disciples out to minister in Matthew chapter 10, he said, freely you have received, freely give. Let's pray over that commitment to the Lord. Father, we come before you realizing that the setting we're in right now is not where we usually live our lives. We live our lives out there someplace where you have placed us. And in that circle where you have placed us, in that workplace, in that neighborhood, in that family, that's where you will use us. And anything we are going to do for you, we will do right there where you have placed us. Father, we thank you that you equip us by your Holy Spirit to do it, that it's not up to us to grit our teeth and say we're just going to try harder, but you will guide us into that truth. You will use us in that setting to be your church. You said you wouldn't leave us as orphans, but you would come to us by your Spirit. So, Father, in a few moments as we come to your table and realize the gift that is ours, that you're the God who not only created us, but the God who purchased us by your death, by your resurrection, by defeating death for us. And we long to be disciples. Guide us into your truth and give us a new commitment to live out that truth right where you have placed us. We love you. We give this time into your presence. We're going to receive the elements for the Lord's table. And as you do, would you just prepare your hearts to realize that this is God's gift to you, that Christ serves you today as you come to him. If you will hold the elements until we're all served, we observe open communion. If you are here and you don't need to be a member of this church, to vote or certainly to share in the Lord's sacrament, we come before his table. We pray that God would guide as he teaches you what you need to learn from communion this day. Let's have the servers come, and if you would, when they're in place, come and receive the elements, return to your seats. We will partake together.
the words that accompany that beautiful melody are, were you there when they crucified my Lord? The answer is yes. He died for us. He has given himself that we might have life in him. And so as we hold these elements that he gave in that upper room to the followers, he comes down through these years and serves us and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. So the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. Take and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you. Father, we rejoice in your great grace. Grace, which by definition we have not deserved, but is ours. And so we thank you on this Lord's Day for meeting with us, for this wonderful fellowship that we enjoy, and for the world in which you have placed us. And we will go into that world with the heart of a disciple to share the good news where the good news is desperately needed. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For benediction, I want to read that which is our daily scripture in our prayer journal that leads us up to the birthday of the church on Pentecost Sunday. From Ephesians chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in God's peace.